Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hi there, I'm Jason Shulman, and this is New Books in Australian and New Zealand Studies. My guest today is the Australian writer Clinton Walker. He's here to talk about his new book, Deadly Woman Blues, Black Women and Australian Music. It's published by New South Books in February 2018. Clinton, welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. Well, it's great to have you on. So, Clinton, this book is the story, you say, the secret history of black women in Australian music. How did you get interested in the topic? Uh, I've been in the music game for a long time uh, and uh, for uh, a long time uh, as part of that time uh, I've been involved in uh, Aboriginal music in, in Australia and uh, Aboriginal music here is uh, perhaps or is perhaps best comparable to a North American audience to describe it as a bit like uh, First Nations or Native American music uh, in North America as opposed to African American music. Um, it really is. It's sort of it's a much smaller population base, you know, and, and that. Uh, and in Australia, Aboriginal people have a pretty um, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, not not good history. Um, but no, Aboriginal people. And, and although this book is about all kind of all kinds of women of colour in Australian music, it's mostly um, you know Australian Indigenous people. Um, always done music. Not all that widely recognised, and it's um, it's just part of the part of the uh, music uh, coverage that I've uh, appointed myself to do for the last thirty or so years. That's right. You've written a lot about popular music, but you also have a broader interest in social and cultural history and theory. Yeah. Uh, and some people may not may not know this. You you have some art training, uh, which comes in handy because uh, the book is a graphic history. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about how you thought to write the book that yeah, way? Yeah, it was a challenge for me to sort of, um, you know, when you uh, approach a, a book, uh, and I've published a few now. Uh, this is my tenth book. Um, you're always looking for ways to um, keep yourself amused or, or, or go into new uh, areas. And, and yeah, I had started out in, um, I was very interested in art when I was a kid in a pretty um, uh, dry uh, suburban background, not much going on. You know, I played sport and stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, music overtook me when I got to my late teens and I sort of dropped out of art and, um, and uh, started to write about music. But, uh, just lately, I've returned to doing a bit of that art and just found that I really loved it. And then when I sort of uh, came across this story, I, it, it occurred to me, here's a way to, to cover a story where you have, um, in a lot of cases, especially the real deep history in the book that's going uh, a fair way back, um, you have very little to go on, you know, um, very little data, um, probably not recordings, uh, maybe an image or two, if you're lucky, so I, I found images for most of the, you know, and all the characters, uh, remarkably, and um, that's how I thought, well, I'm going to do a, a portrait. It's a great uh, props to uh, Robert Crumb, of course, and also um, uh, Nick Conn and uh, Guy Pellart's Rock Dreams. You know, it's just 
uh, telling a story um, through images like a comic book as much as more so than the words. Now, the book uh, chronicles and, and, and gives us little brief bios uh, about uh, a number of black Australian um, women musicians. The, the notion of, of being black and women and a woman, you say, is a double whammy at work. Uh, is that why you think uh, this, this topic hasn't see, received that much attention? Yeah, look, in Australia, you know, the, um, the music business and, you know, I think it's, it's fair to say Australia became a, a, a place that produced a lot of great music, especially in the last few decades. You know, Australia became a place that produced lots of rock music and um, and that was part of what I was involved in. But there were always all sorts of undercurrents in Australian um, music and, and the Aboriginal music scene and, and, and black music scene um, w- w- was sort of part of that. And... Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, for, for many, um, especially women in Australian music, I mean, that's a story in itself where um, the Australian music business wasn't very sophisticated. Um, you could put it this way, in the 1960s, there were some great groups that Australia produced that, you know, the Easy Beats did get overseas and some listeners may remember Friday on My Mind, what a classic 60s song and other groups that didn't make it. But if you were like, a, you know, what was called a girl singer, um, you had no chance. And so, um, listeners would be very familiar with Olivia Newton-John, I've got no doubt, or Helen Reddy. And, but these were women who had to leave Australia in order. It happened later on with Nick Cave and the Go-Betweens and groups like that um, on a different sort of, uh, a different struggle that they had. Um, but so if, if you were a, a, a black woman in Australia, it was going to be um, sort of doubly difficult um, to, to crack through this very low-level glass ceiling that existed in this very unsophisticated music business. Your book covers so many um, interesting and previously um, maybe underrepresented musicians. Maybe we can talk just about a few of them. So who, who is Nellie Small? Oh, Nellie Small is an amazing story. And this is where uh, one of the things that tipped me over on thinking, well, this book can't be just about um, Australian Indigenous women because here's a woman like Nellie Small, born in Australia, uh, died in Australia, um, born of uh, Jamaican parents, Australia, uh, you're born in, I think it's 1901 off the top of my head, um, and, and that's it. Australia was a place very connected into sea routes. Um, there would be, I think her father was a sailor, you know. Uh, that, that sort of stuff happened a lot in Australia. So you get Nellie Small, who's a pint-sized um, uh, Jamaican woman, uh, Australian-born, uh, who goes into show business and uh, in an Australia um, that, um, you know, we actually did see quite a lot of American uh, and black American um, music um, right from, you know, the Fisk Jubilee singers and gospel troops like that that used to come through in the late 19th century. Um, but until Nellie Small, she was like a, an actual sort of pop star before, you know, the, uh, the pop industry was like it is became, um, you know, from the vaudeville circuit through theatricals post-war into, uh, and not only that, Nellie Small was what was then called, I think, a male impersonator. You know, she was a cross-dresser. So she became, um, I thought, what an incredible story. I mean, a lot of these stories I encounter too, and you think, wow, that's a that's a film, that's a book all in it. Well, I couldn't do a book on 100 women, so I did uh, one book uh, which each woman gets 100 for the space, I suppose, yeah. Uh, another character that that really is uh, kind of dear to your heart, I think, and that comes through is Georgia Lee. Maybe you can tell us a bit about her. Yeah, well, Georgia Lee was um, a really uh, extraordinary figure too in the 1950s. She came from um, what we call the Deep North here. It's a bit like the Deep South in the US, uh, the Deep North um, up in Queensland. Uh, during the Second World War, um, a, a lot of the American troops were stationed in the Deep North. It was closer to the action. 
uh, and with um, black troops as well, um, which Australia didn't really know how to deal with. We'd never sort of seen anything like that. Um, it's good, that, you know, they were tucked out of the way. Up in Cairns, Georgia Lee came from Cairns, and during the Second World War, there was all this influx of, of American music, and, and we all know that, you know, jazz and blues and, and, and all that was sort of, it's it's part of what modern music was made out of. And, um, and she was a, a, a young girl up there, got into singing, uh, took herself down south, you know, fully reinvented herself. Her real name's Dulcie Pitt, um, which doesn't sound like a great sort of name for a, a blues singer. She became Georgia Lee. Sounds like a great name for a blues singer. She was a great um, jazz and blues singer who um, – and, and that's an amazing story for, um, you know, a, a black girl from uh, the deep north of Australia from just in the post-war period that she took herself off and she went to the UK and, and played with top bands and – Came back here and was one of the first women to cut an album in Australia. It's it's quite an incredible story, and and she was an incredible talent. One thing that's really interesting is kind of the diversity of genres that that appear in your book. There's jazz, blues, uh, what we also might call country gospel. How did you how did you figure out the range of what you might write about? Oh, look, it was just uh, it was just what was there. I mean, I suppose my approach is always pretty much. Um, you know, uh, hands-on, I was sort of learnt how to write as a journalist. Um, I suppose you say as a freelance journalist for a long time. And you say you go in the field and you see what you see. Um, the field in this case would be the discographical, you know, or, or, or that. Uh, and uh, I listen to, um, I, I t- find the music and listen to the music. I mean, this is a, a strange thing. Um, you know, about 20 years ago, uh, I, I published a book called Berry Country, which was about the um, Aboriginal tradition in country music, um, and which a lot of people uh, in this country, especially, sort of thought was strange that um, black people would play um, a very white kind of form like country music. So that's one influence, but and this is what got got me going on the Deadly Woman Blues, which is, I guess, deliberately titled that way. There's quite a bit of country, but there was also quite a bit of you know right on from the spirituals onwards. Um, it connected with, um, uh, you know, black artists in Australia that um, and, and blues and jazz. It was just blues and jazz in the uh, early part of, you know, the first half of the 20th century that um, a, a lot of women came to sing. Uh, you know, th- 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 there's a thing. It, it was one of the roles that, um, oh, pardon me, that, that black women were sort of almost, um, you know, approved of doing, you know, a singer. That's one of the things that you sort of could do. And, and I think a lot of... Um, uh, women in Australia, black women, could see that there was a possibility that they were allowed that you could be a nightclub singer, you know? I want to ask you about the what's going on in the 21st century. Many people may be familiar with a movie like The Sapphires or a singer like Jessica Malboy. Do you, do you think that things are changing? Oh, yeah, look, definitely. I mean, um, the, the Australian music industry, um, such that the music industry is all around the world these days, is, is not the same thing it was 20, 30 years ago when it was... Um, but uh, but and, and so in in that sense, uh, Australia is um, is equally placed within the world whole music industry, and it's as sophisticated or as unsophisticated as things are in um, the US, the UK, or Russia, or or um, Japan, or wherever you know. So um, artists here now, um, they have that access. They have all the input. You can that's it. You could choose to be in any sort of genre you like. I mean, what's become um, you know, very popular is, is a kind of that, uh, what I think sometimes called urban or it's called R&B or it's called um, soul or uh, EDM dance music. 
um, you know, that, that it's, just, it's the same here in Australia as anywhere else, that um, if you see a young uh, black girl might be trying to um, crack into the music game, uh, you know, quite likely to be um, singing ballads or doing urban sort of R&B groove kind of stuff. So, you know, that, 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 that's um, to me, so, uh, and, and hip-hop, of course, too, you know, and the fem season hip-hop, uh, which is becoming huge as well. Um, that seems to be uh, what's happening all around the world. At the end of the book, you have a uh, chronological listing of recordings made by black women in Australia. Can you give us uh, one, of two, one or two of your favorites or, or surprises? Um, there's a woman called um, Savannah Doolan, and um, it's funny. Well, it's funny I, I, I leap to her. Um, she's the, the cover girl for the book, and um, she actually doesn't get a standalone um, entry in the discography because – um, I, I guess this is a symptom of the story that we're looking at here, that she um, she never got the opportunity to make a recording uh, of her own. She appeared on a couple of compilation albums or, or show albums. Um, but, um, you know, but th- there's sort of she survived by one track, which is listed on a, on a, on a collection. Um, there's a song called um, Sad Moon which she composed herself and is playing uh, just uh, solo in front of acoustic guitar, very kind of old-school country blues kind of song, you would say. Um, and, um, you know, she's incredible, and that's the only sort of recording under her own name that ever came out. And and um, and uh, and what really gets me is that I think possibly she could have been the greatest, the greatest singer <laughs> of them all, uh, and uh, that's what she, that's what it added up to, one recording under her own name, which just makes you think, oh, where's the rest? It's, it's, it's all lost. And so um, I guess part of this story is about what's been lost. That's really interesting. Uh, last question, Clinton, before I let you go, and that is, you know, you obviously have written a lot about music in your life, but as I said at the beginning, you also have a broader interest in kind of society and culture. What does studying what does studying uh, the Black Women Blues tell us more broadly about Australia? Oh, look, uh, Australia was a place, um, really, which which um, endured under sort of a, a kind of a what was genocidal kind of re- regime which then, you know, softened only to the extent it was like an apartheid kind of regime. Um, uh, and I think things kind of started to change as of the world did around the 1960s, I suppose, that post-war period that, that you had all that lot of political upheaval and and um, there's civil rights movements and, um, and, and you know, it's, there's ongoing. We're, we're still involved in a, in a, in a very um, volatile um, social environment, aren't we, globally, you know, and... Um, and so for um, for the Indigenous people of Australia, for people of colour in Australia, um, it, it's always been a struggle and it still is. And, um, you know, the book is just designed to shine a bit of a light on, you know, actually some of the um, some of the positive achievements. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of a stereotype too often lumped on Aboriginal people in Australia that um, everything's bad and everything's depressing and um, but along the way, the achievements of um, people like the women um, portrayed in this book are, um, are just really, really positive, glowing lights, you know. Clinton, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. No worries. That's Clinton Walker. Uh, his new book is Deadly Woman Blues, Black Women and Australian Music. It's published by New South Books in February 2018. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.